eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King. Hope everybody is having a good week. I'm joined today by 24-7 Sports National College basketball writer Isaac Trotter. We're going to be talking a bunch of Auburn hoops and SEC hoops and college basketball at large on the show today. So if you're an Auburn basketball listener on this show, you will enjoy this one. First of all, I just wanted to introduce Isaac to everybody. Um, somebody who does a great job covering uh, national college basketball on our network. Um, if you guys don't follow him on Twitter, at Isaac. I believe that's two underscores, right, if I'm seeing that correctly? Yeah, that's right. Someone stole my one underscore. So oh, my goodness. So you'll, have to like, you'll have to pay Elon to get it back. Or, or go with none. You might send a big offer and go with no underscores. But, yeah, guys, uh, be sure to follow him on Twitter. Um, I say that because every time Isaac posts a story, I feel like I learn a little bit more about college basketball. Um and uh, you kind of tell me, Isaac, about how this, you know, how this has been for you doing this on our network, because I feel like college basketball may be a little bit different than college football, because A, there's so many teams and B, there's so many games, at least for me personally. And I feel like Auburn fans, when they're, you know, just keeping up with Auburn, it's so hard to get a pulse on what's happening everywhere, even all around the SEC, because there's so many, uh, there's so many teams. I guess, how do you kind of attack that? How do you try to keep track of, I guess, you know, 300 plus teams and what they're doing? Yeah, it's completely wild. I don't think there's a method to the madness, to be honest, but it's it's one of those situations where I'm on Synergy every morning, like watching replays of games. You can kind of get through them in like an hour, which I really like. But it's it's awesome, right? Like the league in, in the SEC has been great. I think the top of the league is as good as it's been in a while. And then you have the Big 12 is really good. The Big 10 has some decent teams. It feels like, especially with the portal, 
you know, the interest in college basketball, I think, is at an all time high just because you can get better so quickly in the portal and you're more interested in what these rosters look like. And then the season comes around it's like, hey, how do all these new pieces look and everything? So for me, it's just so fun to just to dive into different teams every single night. I have like I feel like I have two or three games on at a time and then I have like six live stats going and then just watching replays all the time. It's basketball 24 seven for me. And but that's the way I like it. So it's it's a grind, but it's super, super fun. Yeah, for college hoops, I feel like, and in, in, in Auburn people have gotten more into it over the last few years, of course, because the program is, has gotten so much better under Bruce Pearl. But if you are that, you know, there, there's such thing as a college football junkie, definitely. But college basketball, I feel like, is a little bit different of a beast because of, like you said, like you can get so deep into the advanced stats and following so many games and players at the same time. I feel like there's so many, you know, different aspects going on um, all at once. But I say that to say this has been a really fun season already um and we do this to ourselves every year and then it gets to march and somehow it exceeds our expectations and uh, speaking of exceeding expectations you know we talked about it before we got rolling um this auburn team we're going to talk about their win on wednesday night against alabama 99 to 81 back on their home floor of course they get payback um it's two weeks ago to the day that they fell in tuscaloosa had an opportunity to send that game to overtime of course they missed a free throw there at the end auburn felt like it went to tuscaloosa and didn't play that well but still had an opportunity um, to win the game. Of course, they come back home. They've been playing a lot better over the last maybe three or four games. And so the big story with this one, though, Isaac, I know you're watching this game. Um, Janai Broom and, and Jalen Williams combined for more than half of Auburn's scoring. Um, this was a game. This was a foul fest. This was the second half was, you know, Auburn fans had a lot of time to enjoy the win, but maybe for the wrong reasons. I mean, it was uh, it was kind of groan inducing down the stretch but look Bruce Pearl said after the game he said guys were climbing all like you know we were too handsy with Alabama's guards and Alabama was climbing all over Broom and Williams try to stop him so you know you can you can say what you want about the officiating but I mean there were legitimate fouls a lot of the time I say all that to say I think Auburn has a legitimate identity now um with Janai Broom with Jalen Williams and uh and them being maybe the best front line in the league if not one of the best front lines in the league. I guess what were your takeaways and impressions from uh from watching uh, you know Auburn in this game where it felt like they kind of just crockpotted them. They went up by, you know, 15 or whatever at halftime and then just you know kind of were able to keep them at bay for the rest of the game. Yeah, I, I just love the synergy and the connectiveness between both Jalen and Janai right now. Like they just feel like they're really connected together. They're both moving in sync. They understand kind of where each other guy's gonna be. The the lob from the free throw line for the dunk from Broom to to Williams was pretty sick. And you start to see this group start to come together. And the other thing too is I felt like they executed their game plan really, really well. Like Alabama has struggled all year long at protecting the rim. They've given up a ton of shots in the paint. And Auburn didn't get like too shot happy from three. I thought sometimes their shot selection against Alabama in the first matchup was a little bit left a little bit to be desired. This game is like, hey, we're just going to go right to the rim and you're you can't stop us. You really physically cannot stop us. And just that ability to overwhelm teams is something that like it's very different. And then on the other end, too, like I just feel like you feel Auburn so much like obviously the the trying to turn you over and you're going to get a lot of deflections and stuff like that. But they just turn teams water off at the rim. Like Auburn now is up to second nationally in rim defense. Like that's absurd. Teams are shooting just 48% at the rim last against this team. And that last night, uh, Alabama missed 17 layups and missed a dunk. So that's 18 missed shots at the rim. Like that is just violent confrontations that Auburn keeps winning on both ends of the floor. That stuff plays like that stuff really plays. That's why if you're, you're an Auburn fan, you feel like 
this style of basketball can kind of beat up on pretty much anybody. Yeah, and I mean, I, that's the one thing that they were – I mean, I know they lost those two straight games on the road to, to Bama and Mississippi State, but your defense traveled um, in those games. And so if you're Auburn, you know, you're looking ahead to Florida. This weekend, you've got to go to Tennessee um, later in the month. You're hoping, like you said, that you know your defensive ability there is able to keep you in those games. Um, a guy that I wanted to touch on just a little bit, he had a, you know, a, quiet, a quiet 14 points in this one, um, but you've been really high. You've tweeted about him a bunch. You've written about him a couple of times on Trey Donaldson. Um, you know, this season and also since he's taken over the starting point guard job a few games ago, it seems like it was the smart move. Um, Aiden Holloway is tremendously talented. Um, you know, you can see flashes in his game that he's got that potential, but you know, we always kind of thought maybe he'd be a two or three year guy. I don't think many people thought he would come in with his size um, and, and be a one and done type player. But, you know, it doesn't always show up on the stat sheet. It doesn't always necessarily, um, you know, come off the page to you. But what Trey Donaldson does for this team to make them better, I guess, what have you kind of seen from him this season? Because the numbers don't lie. It was another example of it last night where he just does all the little things. And Auburn is a lot better when he's on the floor running the offense. No, he's terrific. Yeah, he's absolutely terrific. And, you know, this Auburn backcourt, I think he was one of those forgotten guys. It's like, hey, what are we going to get from him? Like everybody was focused on Denver Jones and Aiden comes in and, you know, you're going to get Katie Johnson and see what he has there. But Trey just is so solid. And, you know, I'm looking at the numbers again today, like his ability to put pressure on the rim. He's different from the rest of Auburn's guards because he can get to the rim and and finish at a high level. He's shooting 65 percent at the rim, 61 percent on that little runner. And he got to that a little bit yesterday. That off the bounce game, right? Like he's shooting 50 over 40 percent on off the dribble twos, knocking down his catch and shoot threes at over 40 percent clip when he gets like what does he do wrong? Like it's just it's just a little bit of everything with this guy, and I love the pace that he plays with. I love how he still chases offensive rebounds, even though he's a smaller guy. And you might think, oh, I got to get back on defense. Like, no, he'll go chase offensive rebounds. Like he'll he'll try to get a putback dunk or two if he can. And just I feel like Auburn just feels more settled. They get the shots that they want when he's on the floor, and they're not rushed. They're in rhythm, and that's him. Like that's him getting those guys in great position. Obviously, a really really good talent behind him. But I just feel like they're they feel so much more at ease when he's on the floor. And then defensively, too, just not getting screened, fighting over def- like fighting over picks, fighting underneath them, understanding the scouting report. Like he is super locked in on that end as well. And that's really, really impressive. He has been as improved, I think, as arguably any player in the SEC this year. And wow, he's one of my most improved players in the country. That's a story that'll come out probably next week. But he is so much better than what he was last year. And he's turned into a guy that, you know, we thought, hey, is he like a career backup to? I mean, he looks like a legit SEC starting point guard right now. I mean, it was several games ago. I think it was the second or third game in the SEC when Buzz Williams said, according to their own evaluations, their in-house stuff, whatever you know, sort of analytics they use, that Trey Donaldson was the most improved player um, in the SEC, regardless of position. That was you know six or seven games ago when he wasn't even um, starting. I-, I wanted to touch on it just for a second because it, I know it was mentioned on the broadcast. Charles Barkley was talking about it. Um, yeah, I saw a lot of you know Alabama fans kind of latching onto it. As well, the lack of size for Alabama and that front court presence that Auburn does have. I guess just when you look at the SEC at large, when you look at this is going to be maybe three, maybe four team race down the stretch here for for the league title. How much you know? You talk about a steady presence. How much does that do for Auburn to have that sort of steady presence inside with those two guys? Because there, I don't think I can think of an example this season where it hasn't been 
either Broom or Jalen Williams. I mean, sometimes one of them will be off, but you're usually going to have the other one. And then when they combine for 50 points, there's there's really not many teams that are going to beat you when they do that. Yeah, I feel like they have an identity. Like, they know who they are. They know where their bread is buttered a little bit. And, like, you compare that to Tennessee where it's like – I feel like they're starting to figure out what their identity is too. But Alabama is still a little bit up in the air about that. Florida is like a agent of mass chaos, right? Like, they, they're their own biggest enemy, it feels like, at times. Kentucky still certainly trying to figure themselves out a lot of the ways. Even Mississippi State, I think, is a talented group, especially at home. But they're still working through things, especially with all of the injuries that they've had. And it just feels like when you have, like, when you know your identity, when you know your rotation, where you know where you're getting your shots on the floor, like Auburn knows where they're getting most of their looks. That's where it's exciting. And I think this group can even get better. Like the front court play has been nice. And I know I, I looked at again this morning as I'm prepping for this. Auburn's top 50 in transition points per game, which is great, but they're only shooting 25% on threes in transition. Like that seems, if I'm an Auburn fan, I'm going, hey, we could have a little bit of positive regression there where shots start going in. They're wide open looks and went, went and watched them. Like you're getting a lot of great looks. Auburn got great looks in transition from three yesterday against Alabama. And like when you're able to add that transition punch to also, hey, like when we get nitty gritty in the half court and we're just going to drill you with Janai Broom and Jalen Williams, that's just a matchup nightmare, I think. And when you can beat teams in these different ways, that's where I feel like Auburn's like this isn't this isn't fake. This isn't just, oh, we crushed teams by 40. And that's why we're number four on Ken Palm right now. Like this is real. Like this is a real team and it's really coming together. I guess I understand they don't have like those elite wins that some necessarily want right now, but those opportunities will come. But like what they do on the floor, the challenges that they present both in the half court and in transition and on defense, that that's real. That feels like it's a real thing. And it feels like those big men is really the epicenter of all of it. Yeah, I mean, Bruce said in, in the offseason this had a chance to be a much improved three-point shooting team. And you've seen that at times this season. But I agree with you. You know, they're exactly 33.3% on the season. Um, I think they think they can be a little bit better at that. And they've had some games where, you know, like you said, when they're able to go inside so consistently, they don't rely on the three ball. So that's a nice, you know, kind of notch in their belt. But at the same time, you feel like it's you know their time is coming where maybe they're going to have a barrage of threes or, or get a little bit more efficient there. Um, yes, yeah, so yeah. I agree with you. you know, there are there are a lot of elements where this team could get better. Yeah, and like even with Aiden Holloway, like he's a big time shooter, and some of the jury is out on him a little bit. I think on how to guard him in ball screens. I think you're seeing a lot more teams blitz him, not play drop coverage. Like Indiana played drop coverage against him in that one game. That was like one of the and it was oddest. absurd to watch. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, why, why? Like, do we, do we know? Have we watched the tape on this? It just doesn't make any sense. But I do think that like his percentage could also go up if he takes better ones. I think sometimes he's just he wants to put his imprint on this team so badly. How does he do that? It's by making threes. And so sometimes I think he's taken a couple rush ones. Like their percentages could go up just with the right shot selection too at times as well. And, and also in, in transition as well. So I, I do think like this group takes enough threes. You know, I, I think what are they like top 150, I think nationally in the number of threes they take per attempts. So they take enough, right? When you're getting as much room pressure, when you're able to get as enough free throws that they have, they're taking enough threes. They're not going to lose the three-point battle egregiously every game and they can make up for it in every other area. But I do think, the in Holloway heaters coming, right? Like you're going to have another heater coming here where he can win you a game. And that's the thing too, in March, he can win you a game in March. And that's like the, that's the fun part about it. When you're trying to envision, Hey, like how does Auburn win six different games? Maybe one of those games is the Aiden Holloway game. And not everybody has a guard like that coming off their bench, let alone the SEC and also nationally. Yeah. It certainly feels that way. You know, we, we kind of every game will kind of look and be like, you know, is this the one where Holloway just scores 22? 
you know, he, even coming off the bench, you know, he, he plays plenty. Um, he's got that talent level, but you know, they've, he, he is struggling a little bit relative to their expectations. I mean, he was a all world type shooter um, coming out of high school, able to make pretty much anything. And so, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a freshman game coming into the sec. It's a big physical um, league where, I mean, we, we see that sometimes where teams learn over the course of the season. And you're right. I mean, earlier in the season, we would just say aloud to ourselves while watching the games, like, why would you go under that screen? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Now, obviously, they're not doing that as much. Teams are, are pressing up on him because obviously that's going to bother him. But, you know, if that's Auburn's biggest problem at the moment, of course, they're they're in a pretty decent spot. Um, what do you make right now of the of the SEC Player of the Year race? Because it seems, at least to me, who's not in it super deep, Dalton Connect is, is maybe the guy to beat. Um, but shoot, I mean, if Broom keeps doing this, it, even if it's just every other game, um, he's certainly going to be in the conversation at the end. No, no doubt. Yeah, I'm I'm open ended. I have no favorite right now. I'm completely just watching, wait and see at this point because Chennai's been phenomenal and Dalton Connect's been phenomenal and Mark Sears is like a free throw merchant somehow. He's like a six foot guard who could somehow get 14 attempts at the line, and I don't understand how he gets away with it. Wade Taylor, another same way. Like we know he's super combustible as well. So I, I think if my vote today, it would probably be Connect, but. If Auburn wins the league, Janai Broom's the most valuable player. Like it's way too close. Like this is there's not some huge separation here. I know like other people nationally have talked about, oh, this is Dalton Connect's award to lose. I, I think it's a way closer race than what people are saying. Like Broom's up to second now nationally in Ken Palm's Player of the Year race. Like that's that's nuts. Like that's crazy with how much, which how improved he's been and how dominant he's been. And I do think some of the the minutes that he plays also impacts his stat line. Like he only plays what like. 26 minutes sometimes it's definitely less night. than yeah it's like 27 28 something like that maybe yeah so ken palm has him playing 60 percent of the minutes so far this year dalton connects at 74 percent. so like some of the counting stats are going to be a little bit tilted and just because of the rotation and how auburn's game plan is with that with trying to get dylan cardwell in the in the game and play deep and play 10 different guys but both of those guys feel like there's it feels like separation season for both those guys and obviously the sec race will have a big part of it because I, I think if tennessee wins a league Connect's probably the choice. And if Auburn wins the league, Broom's probably the choice. And if Alabama wins the league, I'm probably still going to vote for, for Broom or or, or, uh, or Connect, to be honest. Yeah, so much. You mentioned like how much the the, met, the metrics love Broom. I mean, he is, he's been high up in those all season, even when he wasn't putting together, you know, monstrous performances like these. Um, I think a big part of it is like, it's it's rare in college basketball and Auburn fans are are so used to it because they've seen it. Even last year, broom was pretty good. Of course, Walker Kessler, like it was, it was automatic that he was going to get you, you know, 17 and 12 every game. Um, you know, Jani broom rolls out of bed and gets 12 and seven. It's, it's just, you know, what he does on top of that, that level of consistency, like that, that doesn't happen everywhere. Not every team has that with their five man. Um, and so I think that's a big part of why the numbers, love him so much it's you know it's it, it's every single game he, he really has only had a couple games all year where he's been anything beneath that and now you've had I think it's 4.6 blocks and, and 19 points and nine boards over his last five games or something like that and you know it, it's their heat pump I mean if, if they're going to be able to to make a run here for an SEC title um, they've got to know that they can rely on him and, and so far that's been the case no doubt and I, I think it's the other aspects too of his game that have really impressed me just like the playmaking with him has gotten a lot better his vision on the floor is just so much better than what it what it used to be I think he's up to what an 18 percent assist rate so far this year which is almost double what it was he had last seven, year. he almost had a triple double against Ole Miss with assists 
Right. And he could even have more if Auburn starts shooting it better. He has a lot of potential assists that aren't necessarily coming to fruition, too. And then, like, his on-off splits, like, they're an awesome, awesome rim-protecting team when he's on the floor. Teams are shooting, like, under 50% when he's on the floor. Like, he just – he's a dog. Like, he is a dog. And I I love it, the nasty that he has this year. Like, just the nasty edge that he plays with feels like that just perforates through the entire team. And that when you have an alpha dog like that, like, that just kind of changes – the complexion of this group. And he's, he, I mean, we talk about like Trey Donaldson, most improved player of the year. Janine Broom has a case for most improved player in the SEC, which is saying something because he was pretty darn good last year. Yeah. I mean, second team, all SEC guy last season when he came over from Moorhead. I mean, we were talking about this before we got rolling. Um, just like just certain aspects of his game that don't necessarily show up in the stat sheet. I feel like have gotten better. Um, I don't feel like he, and he's still not, he's still much more of a finesse guy. Um, you know, he's got those great moves. We saw that all last night. I mean, he's got great moves with his back to the basket, which is kind of a rare skill these days. Um, but against, you know, more physical big guys last year, you sort of saw that be an Achilles heel for him. I mean, he shut down Tolu Smith this season. Alabama is not the example you want to make in terms of going against a, a physical front line. He's going to have, you know, Tyree Samuel for, uh, for Florida is going to be a great example of that this weekend. But you know, he's improved on that as well. I feel like he I feel like he is a more physical, um, sort of fleshed out player in his second year in the league. The free throw shooting is is and we'll stop we'll stop gushing about Janai Broom here in a minute, but the free throw shooting is one thing. I mean, I we were in the locker room in Birmingham. They lose the NCAA tournament. He gets asked about because I think he went six to sixteen in that game against Houston. He was a fifty six percent shooter last year. Gets asked one more question about free throws, and that was the that was the um that was the end of it for him. He slammed his hand into a locker and put a towel over his head, and that was it. He wasn't talking to anybody else. And so to, to kind of remember that image of him, and now he's like 84, 84 85% in SEC play, um, 9 of 11 at the line. I mean, a two-for-two two trip last year, Auburn fans are like, oof, like, wow, that's that, that's great for Janai. Wow, he got a two-for-two. Two. And now he just goes out there and he hits 80-plus percent, and, uh, and he does it like it's nothing. I mean, that's something that – and this entire team has gotten better at the line and shoot program record 40 – 40 free throws uh, in this game. I'm not sure they would have done that last season. Yeah, my high school coach always would say, like, two missed free throws are a turnover. Like, And we would just talk about it like that. And so one out of two last year felt like a win sometimes, right? One point per possession. Hey, we'll take it. Now it's like when you just put this much pressure on teams and you're constantly fouling teams out. Like, I know Zach Eady's the main comp for, hey, he fouls out two, three guys every single pet game. But Auburn's front line has a similar impact where they're just going to you're just going to rack up fouls like you better be ready. Your third big man better be ready because he's probably playing against Auburn. And that's that's the Janai Broom factor, too. Yeah. And I think when before this game, when Bruce Pearl was talking about Nick Pringle being back for Alabama, I think, you know, some Auburn fans are like, you know, when he hasn't really done that much, it's just having that extra guy. And you saw that a little bit. You know, he was able to give Janai a run um, for his money a couple times. But of course, Alabama's just not. I mean, Grant Nelson has done a lot of great things this season for them. Um, but in terms of a defender under the rim uh, against a guy like Broom, against a guy like Williams, um, it just didn't work for them. And and I mean, I was in there with Nate Oates after the game, and um, I think he's got a legitimate concern about whether that is an Achilles heel for this team um, in March. I mean, Auburn, as of right now, isn't going to match up with them again. They could in the SEC tournament and, uh, and beyond. But uh, you know, I'm interested to see now because out – I'm interested to watch Alabama along with what we'll get into the rest of the SEC title race. These teams at the top, Auburn fans are going to have to pay close attention to them because it's going to be a pretty tight race here. No doubt. And, you know, that's that's the thing I was been worried about with Alabama all year. I, you know, the thing was Charles Bediaco leaving just didn't make any sense. It, it made no sense. 
you know, he didn't get drafted. I don't believe, correct me if I'm wrong there. I don't believe he got drafted. Right. Like, and so it just, it was like, that was like the piece that they really definitely needed. And they weren't able to really go out into the portal and change that. Um, And so, you know, you kind of look at their, you know, you look at some of the teams near the top of the league. Like if Alabama wants to win the title, you kind of have to go through Purdue. Well, that's a really bad matchup. Oh, you got to go through UConn. Oh, that's a really bad matchup because Donovan Klingon, you know, hopefully they don't see Auburn again, right? Because Janai Broom's a really bad matchup. You probably don't want to get the UNC draw because that's a really bad matchup. Like uh, you probably don't want to see Kansas because that's another really bad matchup with Hunter Dickinson. Like Duke would be a tough matchup with Kyle Filipowski. So it's like, that's where I just don't see it as Alabama is like a, they're going to win six in a row. I just don't like that. They maybe feel like a team that I could see them getting hot, like a Miami maybe last year and making a run to the elite eight, but I just don't think they have enough. And that one Achilles heel, I think will cost them. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. So now we've got eight games left in the league um, for most teams, uh, you know, guys like Tennessee, there's a couple other teams that have had their bye week That's all going to, of course, sort of even out um, over the next few weeks it is now auburn south carolina alabama tied at the top at eight and two um if you try to do the tiebreaker stuff right now and the and like you you know you go down and it's like who they play at the top and you go down one through 14 don't we don't do that to yourself at this point don't go through that headache like that'll all that'll all work itself out um but you know south carolina south carolina is, is the one that that's that's been the huge surprise um i don't really know anybody who is not a believer at this point i don't know how you can't be um, you know, with them beating with them beating Tennessee, with them beating Kentucky earlier in the year, and then even games they should win now when they're when they're back on their home floor, when they're on the road. I mean, they're just winning these kinds of games. Um, that is one where that was not highlighted on the schedule when you looked at Auburn early in the year, but now that's a Valentine's Day game next week. Auburn is like, oof, like they're really glad they have that on their home floor now because that's a you know a week later you know this one was this one against Alabama was really big for the title race a week later you could have a, a very similar thing against Carolina no question yeah you know, yeah it's like one of those things that's why I'm trying to steer away from like preseason strength of schedule ratings for like conference play because we get this wrong all the time like South Carolina dead last in the preseason poll and now that game is actually something worth monitoring so early in the year you'd probably be like well Auburn has a nice little home schedule here not so much anymore but you know if Auburn wins the wins the SEC title they're gonna earn it like they have one of the toughest strength of schedules left of any of these SEC contenders right Florida on the road is tough. South Carolina, obviously at home and South Carolina, that's a a clash of two teams that do things differently, right? Like South Carolina is an elite transition defense. Like we've talked about earlier, or Auburn's a really good transition offense. So that's for me, the big thing, like, are you able to turn over those, those South Carolina guards? And then can you take advantage and transition and kind of get them before their defense gets set? Cause they're, they're nasty in the half court. I think Lamont Paris has done a phenomenal job. You know, it speaks to getting old, right? The ability to go into the portal and get old with transfers that, you know, those guys didn't necessarily win at their previous stops, but they bought in on winning. They don't make a lot of mistakes. And that type of basketball is pretty different than some of the other teams in in the SEC. Like, they slow it down a little bit. I, I call it buckyball. Like, it's got a lot of Wisconsin in them because Lamont Paris is a former Wisconsin assistant. And they were really good at taking away transition defense. So it's like, it's a little different. It's a looks a little different, but it works. Now, I don't know if they have, like, they don't strike me as a team that can run away from anyone. Like they've had some nights where they make a ton of shots, but for the most part, I don't think that's a team that's going to 
punk you by 20. They don't have like that hammer that Auburn has. And so that leads to a lot of close games. So I wouldn't be surprised if South Carolina starts to lose some of these closer games down the stretch. It's going to be tough. Their, their schedule isn't easy either. But that's still a team that's obviously exceeded expectations. So I'd be surprised if they won the league. But, <laughs> and, I mean, I guess nothing should surprise me anymore at this group. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, they remind me. They remind me a little bit. Um, and Lamont Paris is a very different coach in terms of getting to the SEC than when Bruce Pearl came to Auburn. Um, they remind me of that 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 Auburn team in seventeen eighteen. They were picked. They're picked to go four and fourteen in the league. I think that was twelfth in the league. Um, they end up sharing the SEC title with uh, with Tennessee that season. And so, yeah, I mean, even if they don't win it outright, of course, Carolina's got a great opportunity here um, to be in it at the end. Looking at Auburn's schedule. Um, yeah, Carolina and Kentucky at home and back-to-back games. You have an opportunity here, depending on how the AP poll continues to shake out. Not that that matters at any point this season. These are quad one games. That's what we're paying attention to. But um, three straight top 20 matchups at home. Um, if, you, if you're talking about South Carolina and Kentucky, you know, Bruce Pearl mentions it all the time. He tries to, I guess, sh- shake a little bit of realism into this Auburn fan base. Because um, basketball is very new to them, and they'll be the first to admit it. Um, you know, they kind of freaked out a little bit, or some people freaked out when they lost two in a row on the road. They were both quad one games. He kind of had to bring everybody back, everybody back down to earth and say, hey, like, it's going to happen. You know, they're going to lose on the road, probably going to lose on the road multiple more times this season. Um, he knows that knowing going into Florida, I think Auburn is one for their last 20 in Gainesville. Haven't won there since 1996. So he's like, yeah, th- this kind of thing is really difficult. But, um, you know, we talk a lot about Auburn's home floor and, and it's, you know, gain national attention for being a good environment you look at these games like carolina kentucky even even winning ones like you should against georgia that is where this is now where push comes to shove and you did it last night against alabama where it's like hey if you have an elite home court and and you want to claim that you've got to go out there and you've got to win every home game if you're going to have an opportunity to, to win the sec no doubt so let's let's do some math right so you have four home games left south carolina kentucky mississippi state and georgia I think they're going to be favored in all four of those games. They probably should win all four of those games. So that puts you at 12. And then you're looking at the road. Like you have four games left on the road. Do you need to win half of those? 
to win the league, I think, right? Does, one of them does, is Missouri. Yeah. Right. One of them is Missouri. So it's it's Tennessee, it's Georgia, and it's Florida. Like you don't want to say like this is like the turning point for the league because there's so much left here. But if you could go on the road to Florida, a place that's tough to play at, but isn't impossible, right? We've seen some road teams going to Florida this year and beat them. And like I said earlier, that's a agent of chaos team, right? Where they're there anything's on the table when Florida plays. Literally anything. Like you could see the dumbest basketball of your life. You could see the best basketball of your life for eight minutes. Like everything is on the table when Florida plays. And it's going to be a war. Like it is absolutely going to be a war on the glass. And Florida matches up pretty well with them. I would say like they, they like to play two bigs, right? Tyree Samuel is a big part of that, but Micah Handlockton and Alex Condon are two bigs that they like to have on the floor as well. So they're not going to be intimidated by Auburn size. For me, it's all about the backcourt. Like Auburn's guards have to keep Walter Clayton under, under wraps. And if you can force Riley Google to play ISO ball and say, Hey, like, Hey Riley, if you want to go like take 18, 19 shots, that's probably a win for Auburn. So you're able to turn them over and get into transition and and play Auburn's game, that could be a, a huge advantage. But I think Florida is a, a really, really dangerous team. They're really talented too. They just it feels like they're just like a couple possessions away from being a lot better than than what they what their record says they are. And they're 15 and 7. Yeah, I mean nobody nobody respects uh nobody respects Todd Golden and the Gators more than Bruce. I mean Todd's a former Todd was here for a few years. He's a former Auburn assistant. Um, he and Stephen Pearl are are like that, and so it's funny. We had Stephen on our podcast last year, and he said after they, I think it was the second SC game of the year they played Florida, didn't have them on the schedule the rest of the year. Um, Stephen said he and Todd would would call and exchange notes on teams like before games, and I asked him if that was a common practice, and he was like, "Yeah, like it's you know it's not really that big of a deal. Like, but when you get to Nashville and it's like tournament time, you kind of kind of put the phone away for a little bit because you you never know like on a Thursday and at Bridgestone Arena you might you might go up against them, and so you kind of want to." leave that communication off. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's interesting how this schedule is going to play out. I'm with you that it, um, it is really tough. Auburn's going to have to earn it at the same time. There are some stretches where you're kind of looking and saying Auburn should, you know, air quotes around should, you know, make a run here go three and O during a certain stretch. Um, th- there's really no question at this point, And it's kind of mind boggling the, the point the program has gotten to where you're, what is it? February 8th. And you're like, okay, well, there's no doubt this is a tournament team, um, which they they couldn't say that last year, so it's kind of interesting. It was my first time really covering not a bubble team, but like they were right there on the cusp, and you felt like I mean they had to win that game against Tennessee at the end of the regular season. This just doesn't feel that way for Auburn. This this legitimately, barring some sort of collapse here, which of course could always happen, um, you know, barring that, it really seems like Auburn is now in a position where they're trying to win the SEC and they're playing to get a good seed in in the tournament. You know, they want to be a, they don't want to be a four or five; they'd rather be a two or a three. Um, I am looking here at that game against Tennessee on this is this is one of the later times that they've played Tennessee on the road. They played them there last year late on the road, but there was that 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 team didn't have much of a much of an opportunity there because they were not great on offense. February 28th at Tennessee. Um, I think that could be that could be one of the games in the SEC this season in terms of Auburn having an opportunity to win it. But it's interesting. You look after that Auburn's three games to close the year. Mississippi State at home the worst team in the league on the road and Georgia at home. So it's like you could you could theoretically falter a couple times, maybe even against teams you shouldn't, and then you could go 3 and 0 at the end against some easy, not you know, relatively easy opponents and you could win the league. And no question, no question, but like those big games too are just so valuable for Auburn's seed line, right? Just cuz you know, the predictive metrics, right? Like Ken Palm, Bart Torvik. I mean, I checked today, Bart Torvik. Auburn's up to third in the country in Bart Torvik. Like so predictive metrics really like this team and are telling you, "Hey, this is a awesome team 
but they, their 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 strength of schedule, their quality wins, like you, they need to rack those up a little bit more to start to really get yourself in position for a higher seed. So that game on the road at Tennessee could be for a seed line or two, because you say that Auburn doesn't want a four or five seed. No number one seed wants to be like, oh wait, who's our four? Like we got Auburn as our four seed, and they're fourth on Ken Palm and we're Purdue and we're number one on Ken, you know what I mean? Or whatever. Like no, <laughs> there's a lot of one seeds that are praying to God that that Auburn isn't that four or five seed, right? Like they, they, they want nothing to do with that. Bec- but like Tennessee is a, is a spot where you could potentially get, that's another quad one win. Kentucky could be a quad one. Uh, South Carolina could potentially be a quad one. Florida on the road, quad one. Like you start to stack those quad ones. That's where you get to that two, three seed. Cause I think you really want to be at the bottom of the bracket in March, I don't think you want to be in that one through one, four, four seed, five seed range. I would much rather have a two or a three seed, like especially in this bracket, especially this year. Um, and, and I think if you're in the bottom half of a bracket, that's kind of where you can go on a run a little bit easier, in my opinion, just because I feel like, you know, the, some of the teams at the top, I think are starting to separate a little bit. And in the middle, there's a little bit more closeness where you can start to maybe see some upsets too, even where you can get a little bit more of a favorable pass. And that feels like those road games there are going to pretty much determine whether Auburn's a three seed or whether there's a five seed. And we have a one, one seed, just like just so mad on selection Sunday. Yeah. No one's ever going to be able to say that Auburn didn't have an opportunity here to improve. It's a, uh... It's seeding. Go back to Ole Miss. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight quad one games for them. Um, that'll that'll finish up against uh, against Tennessee there on the road. And so, um, you know, we were talking about it on our on our message board. Like any sort of positivity there, four and three, uh, you know, and they're in a position to maybe do you know five and two in those kinds of games. Um, that that seven game stretch, but even a four and three, like that's just going to do so much for your uh, for your resume, especially because you didn't have those previously. I mean, they, they went the entire season without a quad one win until they won at, uh, at Ole Miss. Let's, before I get you out of here, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, we've talked about the tournament a couple of times. It's when you get to February, you're, we're all really kind of itching um, for, uh, for March Madness. I think Auburn has the blueprint now that, that a lot of people like. You've seen them thrown into Final Four conversations. You know, you know who's your trendy pick to make, the, to make the Final Four? I think Auburn, you know, fans have kind of realized that it's, it's not a crapshoot in the tournament, but it is, you know, it is just kind of whoever gets hot. And they are the perfect example of that a few years ago. I think they were 10 and eight in the league and they made a run to the final four just because they were playing well at the right, uh, at the right time. But, you know, the reason you see Auburn there at the top with, with some of these other teams is because of everything we talked about, their consistency on both ends of the floor, um, their ability to have an identity, their ability to take care of the basketball, play good defense. Um, and then when they win, they go out and win by a lot. Usually they're, uh, they're handling, teams and of course metrics are going to like that a lot who are the other teams who are your kind of no-brainers at this point where you're saying all right if you're going to have a conversation about teams that are going to be in it in the end and you know teams that are going to be a very popular you know highlight in the uh in the bracket selection process who are you kind of looking at right now yeah for me purdue and uconn feel like the top two teams that are starting to separate a little bit uh uconn really connected group all their pieces play a lot of pros right like they probably have three guys that are pros and then two all-conference guards so that's helpful purdue obviously is you know everyone talks about zach Eady, but i think their supporting cast is way better this year than people think so those are the two 
the other one for me is I, I keep going back to Tennessee. Tennessee and Auburn were two of my flag post teams early in the season where I'm like, those teams are good. Like I thought Tennessee was hands down, no doubt, the best team in the league. And then I thought that Auburn was like a team that was going to outplay their expectations. And so those are the group, those that that Tennessee team feels like they have a lot more answers to the test than they did in the past. And it's more than Dalton Connect. I, I really do think it, it they have a lot more answers with with Jonas Adu starting to find himself a little bit as a scorer. Was Zakai Ziegler playing a little bit more consistently? You know, they can win with defense. They can win with offense. I like that. So that's another team. You know, Arizona is super inconsistent. The metrics continue to love them, but they're really iffy on the road at times. And sometimes they'll give up a lot of threes. You know, that those are the teams that I, I continue to like. I, I think I'm selling a little bit on North Carolina. That's one of the teams that I, I continue to be a little bit hesitant on. You know, we talk a lot about, oh, top 10 on defense, top 10 on offense, all those things on Ken Palm. Like those things, I don't know how much they matter that much, but North Carolina's eighth in defense, but that's because teams just don't make threes against them. Lately, teams are making threes. Now they're starting to lose games. I think it was a little bit lucky-ish, uh, so to speak there. So those are the teams that I'm buying and selling a little bit. And Auburn's one of those teams that I continue to just look – look at this roster and look at how they're built and look at what they bring to the table every day. And I just, I don't understand why they can't make a run. Like they, they have a little bit of everything. I guess maybe you're a little bit concerned about their half court offense at times, or do you have guards that can get to the rim and finish at, at times? But those are just kind of minuscule. Those are minor things when you're comparing it to other teams around them, like Alabama, where it's like, Hey, like just hope we don't run into a seven foot, 240 pound center or probably getting trucked that day. Like that, that's, it's, it's a first world problem compared to some of the other teams in the country. Yeah. And Auburn didn't know that it was going to have this kind of consistency on defense. Um, I think they were kind of underrated defensively last year by a lot of people. Um, you know, Alan Flanagan and Zepp Jasper were two of the better on ball defenders in the, uh, in the sec and Bruce Pearl voiced his concerns about that over and over again in the offense. He's like, I think we can shoot the ball. You know, look at these two big guys. Like we're going to be able to score, but he's like, I got to get these guys to want to play defense. The Denver Jones thing, not to get off on a tangent, a tangent, but um, I don't know if you've, you've kind of kept up with what he's been doing defensively, you know, 20 points per game scorer in conference USA um, comes here, realizes he's not going to get the the same amount of shots. He's not going to be a 20 point per game score. He's been a little bit better recently, um, but has turned into a just absolute nightmare. Um, I think Mark Sears didn't have a basket against him until like eight minutes left in the game. So they just put, you know, we talked about that Florida matchup. They're going to do the same thing. Um, they just put him against the, uh, against the other team's best guard. That was such a, that was such a luxury when they had um, Zepp Jasper. It's just a luxury to have a two guard that you can just say, Hey, go get that guy. Um, and so, you know, that is, you're talking about teams that people like uh, Auburn's defense, I think is a really big reason why. And they haven't, they didn't know they were going to have that this season. I think they thought, you know, like we mentioned, they thought they're going to shoot even better than they are. Right now, they thought they were going to have two big guys. Um, but that is something that as you get on the road, as you move into March, you're, you're hoping your defense is going to is going to carry you there. And Auburn's had that so far. Yeah, it's so funny you bring up Denver Jones because I, I did this story in the offseason where I talked to rival coaches who played against them and like just for scouts. And like everybody who played against Denver Jones was like, bucket. Like he's going to be the next great Auburn guard. Like he's hundred percent can score 18 a game. And so like to see him do this with defense is really cool. Like it's, it's, he's kind of built himself into something that's different and it's a great point. Like he having that is a luxury. And then I also look at the deflections too. Like they can get so many deflections with their length and their speed and their activity. They're just like hyenas. They just are flying everywhere all over the floor. And then you add in elite rim defense, maybe the best rim defense in the country. 
that's a really, really good recipe. I just feel like it's a, a pain in the butt to score against Auburn every night. And you kind of need some outlier shooting performances because you're not going to get anything easy at the rim. You kind of have to hope that the whistles are being blown or you can get a bunch of free throws and that your threes are falling or you're probably not scoring. Like that's just that's just how it is. Well, in the transfer evaluation stuff, um, I think some people I, I don't think realize, you know, looking outside of Auburn, outside of the SEC, um, you, you, you look at Janai Broom, um, you know, even Zepp Jasper was a fantastic fit for this team. Uh, Walker Kessler, duh, like that, that obviously worked out. But the transfer evaluation stuff, like that doesn't come easy to everybody. Not, not everybody is going to have somebody that fits. So, well, we, we've gone this entire show, um, haven't talked about Chad Baker Mazzara, who he gets you 13 every other game. And I, and he's a menace defense. He's just, he's just taller, Katie Johnson. Like he has the same screws loose in, uh, in his head. I don't know if you saw it was, we like we predicted this would happen. They were like, "Yeah, Chad gave a big halftime speech against Ole Miss," and uh, he's apparently like teaching the team to trash talk in Spanish because he's from the Dominican Republic. And uh, we were like, "I bet halfway through the speech, he just started. He forgot and he just started speaking Spanish, and they just went along with it." That's he said. That's what happened. He said midway through, he started just he started just speaking Spanish to him, and they were like, "Chad, English, like, like you lost us there for a minute." But I mean, it's, you talk about the the pieces and the depth that this team has. Um, you know, 40 minutes, minutes into the show, we don't mention I you know, guess their fourth or fifth scorer on the team. And that's a guy who, you know, you and I talked about it over the summer. I remember when Tyron Lawrence was 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 flirting with Auburn. Um, we thought that was a big loss. We thought he had an opportunity to be a really, really good scoring pair there um, at that three spot. And I was kind of wondering what they were going to do at the three. I just, you know, Chris Moore's not going to get you a lot. He is going to be a menace defensively and a really good hustle player. It's not going to score as your starter at the three. Um, but I think, you know, the evaluation or the development, whatever it is that has gotten Baker Mazzara um, to this point that you that you don't have a liability at that three spot um, right now. And he's a guy that can do a lot for you. I think that's been really big for them because Tyron Lawrence felt like a big loss at the time. And now you got a guy in Baker Mazzara who's doing a ton for you on both ends of the floor. No question. Now, one part one makes me wonder, hey, did Tyron Lawrence make a mistake? Right. Would he want that decision back? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and then but Chad Baker Mazar, like you talked about, he's awesome. And the other thing, too, is, you know, the transfer portal cycle it opens in five weeks. Right. The day after Selection Sunday, coaches in the tournament are going to be recruiting in the portal. And we would be dumb to, for them, for Auburn not to go, hey, look at our starting lineup is transfer big man a transfer wing like we have a cell here in the portal that is only better like it's only going to get better and what are those needs like we think this group's going to have a lot of guards back next year but they're probably gonna have to go in the portal and recruit another big time big man maybe they need another wing right who knows they have a cell now that's really really good as good as anybody in the country and that's that plays. That really plays. And so Denver Jones coming in and finding a way to make an impact, even if he's not scoring. Chad Baker Mazar coming in and, and playing some of his best basketball of his life. Janai Broom turning into an All-American slash SEC Player of the Year contender. All of that's going to pay off in five weeks when the portal opens. When you feel, and Broom has another year um, right. that he could do, but it he was so close to going to the draft last year. Um, you know, his parents told me that that it, a couple teams that had like the 56th and 52nd picks called him and said, we're really considering you. Feels like he's going to he's going to go after this year. Um, and that is just a that's a void they haven't had in a long time where it's like because they didn't get Florida Bedunga in the in the uh, in the recruiting process. And so it's like that's just massive. You're just going to you're just going to call up the best big guy and you're going to call up all the best big guys and just say, all right, you know, first was Kessler, then was Broom, potentially two All-Americans. Like, do you want to be the next one? Um, yeah, we were talking about that before we got real. I'll let you out of here in just a second. I know we've been going a, going a long time, but I know that's something you're kind of thinking about 
as we get co- closer to Selection Sunday, you got to keep in the back of your mind what teams are going to be doing in the portal. Auburn is going to be – I would think they'll be in it for the best centers in the country that, that are in the portal. I would think so. No question. And the sell is really good too when you also factor in you have all of these role players that are have a chance to come back. If you, if you crush it in retention, it's like – plug and play almost like, Hey, we got a really great team here. You're just kind of the missing link. We're going to go do what we just did again this year. Like that's where it's like, it's, you're not coming into like some team that like has a lot of pieces that you got to fill. And you're just like the first part of the puzzle here. Like you're kind of the last piece, not the first piece. I think that helps a little bit too in the portal as well. When you're trying to sell kids in a very short period of time, what's my role? What are expectations? What are what am I going to do? Like it's, that it's easy. It's a lot easier now when you have all of the other pieces in place. Uh, Isaac, thank you so much for, for hopping on today. I've really enjoyed uh, chopping it up on, on Auburn hoops and the sec and uh, everything else with you. I hope I know our uh, listeners enjoyed it as well. So um, yeah, thanks so much. And I, uh, I look forward to, to keeping up and chatting with you as we get, as we get closer to March, I was going to ask you, you know, just real quickly before we get out of here, who are kind of your, uh, your sleeper teams that you think could, can make a run in March. We don't have to spend a whole answer on it because we've been we've been going for a long time. But uh, that is something I was kind of wondering. Uh, sleeper teams. Let them off the top of my head. Colorado State. They got a stud point guard Isaiah Stevens. That's a beast of a team. They run great actions. Uh, New Mexico. I'm not trying to bog this down with Mountain West stuff, but they got great guards. They're really athletic. They're super fast. They're super fun. Uh, if Colorado gets in the tournament, I think that's a team that could make a run. And I, I just I keep going back to it. Florida. Like yeah. that rosters, that rosters really, really talented, top to bottom. So if, if Florida, Wake Forest, those are two teams that you know if they sneak into the tournament, they've they load up with transfers, the right transfers, probably going to be pretty darn good. So I wouldn't be surprised if all Florida's in that second weekend somehow, even if they sneak into the tournament at the last second. Yeah, it should be. I mean, it's going to be another eight or nine bid year for the uh, for the SEC, and of course Auburn hopes that it's uh, that it's right there at the top as uh, as they get closer to March, and so. Um, Isaac, thanks so much again for hopping on. You guys go follow him on Twitter at Isaac two underscores um, Trotter, and you can read all his stuff at uh, at twenty four seven. We appreciate everybody for listening to the show today. Go leave us five star review if you guys liked it. The bumper music is by Beats by Mordecai. You guys can follow him on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Instagram. Until the next episode, we'll catch you guys later. Everybody enjoy the rest of your week. Talk to you soon. I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!